Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. Hey, everybody. Good to see everybody here today. So uh, welcome to all of our kids in the room this morning. Uh, we made a decision to not have kids' church this morning. We had uh, lots of, of our uh, children's church workers that were either on vacation or sick, and so we thought we'd all just gather in here today. Hopefully, hopefully uh, if this is your first time, come back and check out our, our kids' programs because they're pretty awesome. And, uh, and, and as a side note, uh, kind of related to that too, um, just uh, for your own health and well-being, we've had about three families in the church, mine included, that have had uh, whooping cough in their homes. And so if you, are, if you feel yourself getting a little bit of a cough, uh, don't ignore that. Go get an antibiotic for that because it is a bear to get rid of. So um, there's that, all right? And girls have cooties, and <laughs> so there's that too. <laughs> okay. All right, well, um, I, I, as Matt mentioned, I've had another one of those weeks where, uh, where the Holy Spirit kind of... Uh, um, interrupted my my train of thought and um, kind of changed my sermon midweek. And you know, with with all the stuff that we've been seeing in the news, if if you haven't heard or if you've been camping or whatever, uh, you know, it's kind of come to light that there, the church in Iraq, uh, where many of you probably didn't even realize there was a church, um, the church in Iraq has come under extreme persecution, and. Um, and so I, I couldn't not address that. I had, I had to address that. And so um, I was just, I've been kind of moved to tears, as I know many of you have been all week long. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember when it was, Thursday night or Wednesday night. I was at home with the family. We were watching baseball, and I'm just, I'm weeping. I'm watching baseball and weeping, and it wasn't because, you know, my A's are so awesome. It was because, it was because of just how moved I was by the plight of our brothers and sisters over in Iraq. And um, it is, um, you know, for those of you who don't know that, you know, there's the church in Iraq has, has been, uh, recently, uh, come under a lot of persecution by a, a militant Islamic group, uh, known as the Islamic state. And, um, it is, um, it is brutal. Now, now this is not to say that persecution is something new. I hope you know, and if you don't know, you do now that the church has continued to be persecuted since its inception 2,000 years ago. Um, and th- when we talk about that, I mean, just because we have the freedoms that we have here in the United States and we have become so accustomed to living the way that we live and having the freedom to worship, you know, without fear of repercussion and that sort of thing, um, your brothers and sisters in Christ around the world do not have, uh, not all of them anyway, do not have those same freedoms. Uh, and it is a, a you know somewhat regular thing for them to be persecuted. Sometimes they're persecuted in ways such as, you know, they come to faith in Christ and their family just completely disowns them, ostracizes them, will have nothing to do with them, and uh, and they're left feeling very lonely because of their faith. Um, sometimes they are arrested, jailed because of their faith. I have a friend who's a missionary in Bulgaria, and uh, before the Soviet Union fell, uh, uh, it was kind of known, well, I, I guess the way it worked, the KGB had certain pastors who were also KGB agents. 
And it was known to everybody in the Soviet Union that the pastors you could trust were the ones who were in jail. If they weren't in jail, they were working for the KGB most likely. And, and so they're, you know, the Christians living uh, in fear of being um, arrested and then in some cases uh, losing their lives for their faith, as we've seen this week in, in Iraq. Um, I know we have kids in the room, and I'll try not to be overly graphic and stuff, but um, losing their lives. Um, women and, and daughters being enslaved for their faith. Um, lives being cut short. And, uh, and thousands of people um, missing and presumed already dead. And thousands of others that are living as refugees. And um, it, is, it is heartbreaking because uh, and, uh, one of the main points I want you to get this morning is um, those Christian Iraqi citizens are every bit your brother and sister in Christ as we are each other's brother and sister in Christ here this morning. And um, it breaks my heart to see them suffer the way that they're suffering. Um, but this is, like I said, this has gone on for couple thousand years now. Um, and so I want us to look at kind of what our response, you know, when, whenever we see kind of uh, atrocities on TV, there's something usually that's kind of stirred up in us that we want to do something about it. You know, when, when uh, the tornadoes ravaged Moore, Oklahoma, you know, we, we took up an offering here and we wanted to help in some way and or if, you know, if a natural disaster occurred, you know, in a neighboring town, we would be over there, you know, doing everything we could to help them, you know, clean up and recover and everything else. Well, there's something that in us that kind of wants to help. And when, when, when I, at least for me this week and probably for you too, that when I've heard these stories, uh, there's something that kind of rises up in me that says, I wish I could do something. I wish there was something I could do. And, um, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning, about what we can do. Um, and I, what I'm going to talk about is just kind of, we're, we're going to look at uh, the first chapter of Second Thessalonians, if you want to go ahead and turn over there, Second Thessalonians. And uh, Paul addresses this church in Thessalonica who had been under persecution and offers them some encouragement, and, and it is a very encouraging letter to them. Um, but he also kind of gives us some clues of, of how we can react when our brothers and sisters are being persecuted. Uh, now, some of you, you know, there might be, you know, one or two of you that, that feel called to do something even beyond what we're going to talk about this morning. You know, honestly, uh, I, I hope that through all of this, um, that there are men and women who feel God's calling on their life to go and be missionaries in this land that so desperately needs people to proclaim the gospel. I don't know if that would be you this morning or not, but... But we're going to talk about just kind of as, as, as you know, the, your everyday uh, follower of Jesus Christ, what is our role, what's our responsibility. And so let me read this passage to you. First Thessalonians, uh, we're going to read all of chapter 1. <clears throat> Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We ought, also, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, 
and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Verse 5. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Verse 9, there's a typo up there, it should be verse 9. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this letter (coughs) to the Thessalonians, and, and he offers this word of encouragement. And he tells them, you know, that I I thank God for you. I thank God that even in this hard time of persecution that you're going through, we see that your faith is growing, that you're enduring it well, that your love for each other is actually increasing. You know, a lot of times when stressful situations hit a group of people, uh, that group of people can kind of start turning on each other. And instead, he says, no, for you all, you're going through this hard time, and, and we see and we hear that your love for each other is just increasing and growing and everything else. And, and, and it's just this beautiful picture of what, you know, maybe you've seen the same thing in your own family where, you know, you, you hit a hard time, somebody loses a job, and money's not, you know, where, you know, the way it should be or the way you want it to be. And, and a lot of times, two, one of two things is going to happen. Either that stress is going to cause you all to kind of bicker and turn on each other, or as tends to be the case in, in my family, we tend to kind of get closer. I've noticed that when a lot of times when Jamie and I are going through a hard time like that, we ended up getting a lot closer to one another because there's this kind of feeling that, uh, you know, we can't do a lot, but we've got each other, you know, and, and, and it kind of drives us to each other, which is great. And, and here he is saying that, you know, we've observed that this is happening to you. And, and, and what should be one of the most stressful seasons of your life your love for each other is just growing, and we praise God for that. And we boast in that. We boast in that. And then he goes on to give us some, some encouragement of, of how God is going to set, set some things straight, which is just this awesome thing, this awesome picture that we all look forward to. And I'm going to get into it a little bit, in just a little bit. But I want to, you know, when our brothers and sisters are persecuted, I want to hit four or five things that, that we can do, that we should be doing when we hear about this. And, 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 you know, one of the things that, you know, I've heard some of you comment on is that even though this is the, this is the one that has hit the news and the one that we're all aware of and that we're all heartbroken, that this types of, you know, these types of persecutions go on all the time, all the time across the world. And it's something that should be a regular part of your prayer, of your prayer life, that we need to be the type of people who will continually offer up prayers and thanksgivings and, and everything up to God for those who are being persecuted for their faith around the world, that it should, it, there should, it should do something to you. When you, knowing that you have brothers and sisters in Christ 
who are um, enduring the things that we've heard about this week that, that are just absolutely horrible. And if you're like me, some of you saw images that you wish you hadn't seen, and, and um, it's just heartbreaking. But we should be driven to our knees to pray for them that have to experience uh, these things that, that we are so fortunate and blessed in this country to at least so far not experience. Um, now, now there's a temptation that will come to you as, a, as, a, as an American Christian that we, we like our news um, good. <laughs> we like our news good. And, uh, and there's, there's a lot of you who will be tempted that when you hear about situations like this that we've heard about this week, to kind of wince and turn away and, and just, I don't want to think about that. And, and I, let, let me just suggest to you that when you do that, it, it is a, a great dishonor to those who are giving their lives for their faith. Um, that the Bible is very clear that there is, there's a time to rejoice and there's a time to mourn. And, um, and that, that when we hear of things like we've heard about this week, honestly, if it doesn't strike a chord of mourning in your soul, I, I, I don't know what to do for you. I don't know what to do for you. Um, and so as followers of Jesus Christ who don't want to be cold to what's going on, how should we react? And so a, a couple of things. When our brothers and sisters are persecuted, first of all, you need to pray for them. We need to be people who are, like I've just said, you need to be praying for them. Um, offer up prayers for them that, uh, that they would have relief from the persecution that they are enduring. Offer up prayers for them that they would um, um, be able to endure with great faith uh, in a way that will bring glory to Christ. That th- this whole thing that we talk about when we talk about these types of persecutions, um, when we talk about wanting them to endure so that Christ can be glorified, that this is one of the most beautiful things. It's, it's odd, but it's one of the most beautiful things that has happened throughout the history of the church, that whenever the church is most persecuted is also the time when the church grows the most. And it has happened in China. We have seen it in recent years where the government has tried to uh, suppress uh, faith and, and, and Christianity and things like that over there, and an underground movement has just swelled in that country where uh, there are a lot of estimates that China probably has the largest population of Christians on the planet. And, and the church will grow and the church will thrive in the fertile soil of persecution. It's just the way it's always worked. When we talk about people who are martyrs for their faith, that word martyr actually comes from a guy whose whose name was Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr was a man who gave up his life for his faith, and the result of that was thousands coming to faith by his witness. And this is what we pray when when we pray for our our Iraqi brothers and sisters this week. We we pray that, that as their persecutors see their faces and hear their testimonies, that their hearts would be pricked and their lives would be changed and people would be drawn to Christ and that revival would take place in that country. The other thing that we need to do in addition to pray for them is that we rejoice with them and we boast in them. We rejoice with them and we boast. We rejoice, as Paul said, because they were counted worthy to receive the same type of punishment that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ received. That they were counted worthy. Now, this is not a concept, again, that, that comes easily for us. 
that we, we tend to think of suffering as something to be avoided. And don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting for one second that our Iraqi brothers and sisters were craving the type of per- persecution that they've recently received. Uh, they would avoid it if they could. But there's something about uh, this Christian faith that Paul talks about so much that when we receive these types of persecutions, there is this, 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 this concept of honor that we are worthy to suffer in the suffering of Jesus Christ. You know, you've heard me say before that, you know, we expect that we, and this is a, this is a kind of uniquely, I think, American thing, where we just expect that everything's going to be great. We just expect that there will be no suffering, but that's not the case around the world. And you've heard me say before that you, you serve, you have committed your life and you serve a Savior who was crucified, nailed to a cross for saying the things he said and living the life that he lived. And this is who you follow. Why should we expect any different? In fact, the word over and over tells us to not be surprised when we, are, when we suffer, to not be surprised when persecution hits. They crucified Jesus. What do you expect is going to happen to you, his followers? And yet we live in this country where a lot we're sheltered from that. But for those who go through hardships, we will rejoice with them that they were counted worthy. And we will boast in them because they are the best of us. We will boast in them because they are the best of us. When we see brothers and sisters in Christ laying down their lives for their faith, to me it is a testimony that Jesus Christ is alive and well. It is a testimony that our Savior is risen and that his Holy Spirit dwells in our hearts because people will not lay down their lives for a dead man. They will not lay down their lives for a dead man. And the, the way followers of Jesus Christ have willingly given their lives, who have said, it's not my will that I lose my life, but you will not shut me up. You will not silence my worship. And if you need to take my life, so be it. Because Jesus Christ gave his life for me. People don't give their lives for something that is not active and live and real going on in their lives. They don't give their lives for somebody who is just a good teacher. I had lots of good teachers growing up, but I'm not dying for any of them. But Jesus Christ, my Savior, whom I love, I like to believe that I would die for him. I would die for him. And so we rejoice with them and we boast in them. And then we bless their persecutors. Now this is tricky. Romans 12 says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. This is not something that comes easy for a bunch of cowboy Americans. It's not something that comes easy for us because we like vengeance. We like retribution. We, I mean, we like to be heard, to be, we, we, that's, that does not come natural for us. Bless our persecutors, and yet this is the command. This is the command that we're given, to bless those who persecute us, bless and do not curse. If you've been on Facebook this week, I've seen a whole lot of Christians cursing. <laughs> I've seen a whole lot of Christians saying, we need to get over there and just blow up the whole country, kill them all, why are we sitting back doing nothing, and all this kind of stuff. And so I want to talk about that for a little bit. How do we bless our, our persecutors? How do we bless the persecutors of people that are our brothers and sisters across the globe? 
And I would suggest that you do it this way, that you pray the same type of blessing on their life that has been the best blessing on your life, and that's the grace of God. That rather than praying for their destruction, you pray for their salvation. And you pray that somehow, some way, maybe through the testimony of those who are being persecuted, maybe through missionaries who would go over and speak to them, however, maybe through Bibles that, that kind of happen into their hand, whatever the case may be, that they would see the grace of God, that they would recognize it, that they would repent from their wicked ways, and that they would embrace life in Jesus Christ as we have embraced life in Jesus Christ and has been such an incredible blessing to us, and we want to see them blessed in that same way. And so we pray for the Holy Spirit to move in their lives and to revive, for revival to hit their land. And this is how we pray. And I know it can be difficult because it's really much easier and it looks so much better on a t-shirt to say, send them all to hell. But this is not the lives we're called to live. This is not the attitudes we're called to embrace. We're called to embrace love. Love. Now, Let's hit the next one. The next one is this. That we will uh, trust God's perfect justice. We're called to trust God's perfect justice. Now, the whole last section of that scripture I just read talked about how there's going to come a day when Jesus will set all things right. And those who are wicked will pay for their wickedness. And those who are followers of him will, will enter into the kingdom and, and worship God forever and, and live these glorified lives that Christ was the first fruit of, that we will, but, but one day, all things will be set right. And we can't wait for that day. Now, God in his perfect justice will handle the situations that we are powerless to handle. And there will be times that with the way, if you look throughout history, throughout the Bible, oftentimes God uses governments to execute his justice. And so when we look at situations like, uh, you know, should we, you know, go over there and drop bombs or should we, you know, should there be some sort of military strike? That's for God and government to figure out. And they will do that. Vengeance is God's, says the Lord. Vengeance is his, says the Lord. But for us, our posture is we pray for grace, and we pray for forgiveness, and we let God sort out the rest. We let God sort out the rest. Now, that is not, I'm not suggesting some sort of you know, bull line where we talk about how Christians shouldn't be in the, the army or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're, if you're a, a, a member of, of the military and you are uh, executing the orders of your government and doing it in a way that is uh, obedient to the law and everything else, then you can be both Christian and soldier. I firmly believe that. I firmly believe that. I know I've talked to many young men and women who have been in the military who struggle with that whole concept of, you know, how can I follow my Savior and, and also go and do the things that I'm called to do by my government? And the answer is, is because God ordains governments to do things that he doesn't ordain individuals to do. And our posture as individuals will be grace and forgiveness, And we will allow God and government to figure out the rest. But God's justice is perfect. It's perfect. And in that perfect justice, some are forgiven. Those who embrace faith in him will be forgiven, even those who have committed the worst atrocities. Don't don't forget for a moment 
that the guy who wrote the largest part of the New Testament once killed Christians for a living. And don't think Paul wrote this letter lightly when he said, I pray for grace and I pray for peace for you. And when he said in Romans, bless those who persecute you. And he knew the forgiveness and the life change that can come over and destroy the hate that dwells in a person's heart. He knew firsthand about that. And if somebody like Paul, who was going around killing Christians for a living, could be changed, could be transformed to be one of the greatest missionaries the world has ever seen, then who's to say God could not still do works like that in Iraq today? Who's to say? And so we'll pray for them. We'll pray for them. We'll pray God's blessings on them. As much as it pains us, as much as it goes against our nature, we'll pray God's blessings on them. Now, I'm going to throw in a fifth thing. It's It's not on the screen because it's not in the Bible. It's just me, okay? Um, it's, uh, it's a thing. It's not that it's unbiblical. It's just not in the Bible. <laughs> and, um, and this is what it is. To you as American Christians, do not hold cheaply the freedom that you have to worship in light of those who don't have that freedom and are giving their lives for it. Do not hold that freedom lightly, not for a minute. The reason that's not in the Bible is because the Bible has no concept of freedom of religion. The Bible has no concept of freedom of religion. Just everybody they wrote to was being persecuted, everybody. And so we who live in this great experiment called democracy in the United States, um, and we have this freedom, don't hold it cheaply. Exercise it. Exercise it. And I know there's a lot of talk nowadays about our religious freedoms being impinged upon and taken away from us and things like that. And this is what I've noticed. Those who oft, often, those who cry the loudest and rail on the loudest about losing those freedoms are oftentimes the ones who exercise it the least. Who exercise it the least. It, it is like if... Um, Matt alluded to my gym membership. I, I, I got a gym membership at the beginning of the year. And if the government decided to step in and say, no more gyms, no more gyms, and then I got crazy loud and angry about it and just blogged about it and wrote about it and just went on and on and on about how I can't believe I've lost my right to go to the gym and can't go to the gym anymore, when since January I have been to the gym three times. And by three, I mean two. (laughs) Okay? And yet so many Christians, and if you follow this into this category, I hope this hits you square between the eyes. So many Christians, you want the freedom to worship, you just don't want to worship. And the biggest problem in the American church today is idolatry. We have become a nation of people who worship the United States and the Constitution is our Bible. And you hold that Constitution and those rights in higher esteem than you hold the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that has to stop. That we have these freedoms that the rest of the world hungers for. And we hold them cheaply and we, we disrespect their lives and their deaths by treating our faith the way we treat our faith. 
The Christian faith is not a right to be fought for. It is a life to be lived. And if we lose our rights under the Constitution, can I just tell you, and I know this is going to sound really anti-American, I don't care. I just don't care. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not craving it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not begging for us to lose our rights or hoping that it happens. I'm just saying us losing our rights to worship or losing our nonprofit status and tax exemption status or who gives a flipping big deal, I don't care. That stuff to me does not matter because ultimately I am not called to be a follower of Jesus Christ who gets to exercise constitutional freedoms. I'm just called to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'll be worshiping with Living Hope Church no matter how small it gets if we lose those freedoms. And we'll continue to raise up the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And if we lose rights and if we lose privileges and God forbid if we lose our freedom in our lives, it doesn't change our faith in any way. Other Brothers and sisters all over this world exercise their faith in beautiful, beautiful, like faith-filled ways every single day, putting their lives and their families in jeopardy just by proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And we get loud if our tax exemption status gets in jeopardy. And I'm just saying, ultimately, that stuff doesn't matter. All that matters is Jesus. All that matters is Jesus. Whether we're meeting here in a government building or we're meeting in secret somewhere, we're going to lift him up, we're going to praise him, and all that matters is Jesus. And if we're all in jail together, that'll be kind of fun anyway. So <laughs> maybe, maybe. I, I say all that just to say that I want us to be a people who puts Jesus Christ first and foremost, above our freedoms, above the Constitution, above all of that, Jesus Christ is first. And while we have the freedom that we have, good Lord, let's wear it out. I mean, wear it out. We should be pushing the envelope of this freedom all the time. Just wear it out. When there are people in other countries that are starving for the freedoms that we have, and we treat it like my gym membership, we'll use it when we feel like it. It's a shame. It's a shame. In a lot of ways, the American church is crippled by our freedom and by our excess. What we look to the quick, you know, the kind of the quickest and point to as the greatest blessings in our life are also the things that cripple us and cripple our faith. I, I was meeting once with uh, uh, two or three Mexican pastors who uh, churches I attended had brought into the uh, United States kind of for a mission trip of their own to see the church in the United States and see the people who were supporting them and that sort of thing. And, and uh, there was about a two-week trip and them going around visiting different churches and and, um, you know, they, we were talking to them one time and somebody asked, you know, are you, are you going to kind of miss all of the, you know, United stuff here in the United States when you have to go back to Mexico? It's kind of a 
horrible question to ask. <laughs> but anyway, the, the answer uh, that this gentleman gave that was a pastor said, I can't wait to get back to my country because I feel my faith becoming weaker every day here. I feel my faith becoming weaker every day. He said, in my country, we, pay, we pray, give us this day our daily bread, and we mean it. You guys go to storehouses full of food and pick and choose what you want. In his country, there might be persecutions based on the, type, the brand of Christianity that you're part of or whatever. And here, we don't experience that, yet there's no hunger to be with God's people in God's house. All that just to say, guys, let, let, let's, not, let's not take it for granted. Let's lift up our brothers and sisters and let's... You know, here's the thing. I said, this, I said this earlier, that in recent weeks, there have been saints whose voices have been silenced on this side of the kingdom. They're shouting on the other side, I guarantee you. But on this side of the kingdom, there have been thousands who have been silenced Thousands of voices who, on this side of the kingdom, are not lifting up a praise, even though on the other side we know they are. And some of us in this very room today chose to sit back and not lift up your voice at all, because you don't like to sing. Well, get over yourself. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And so we will lift up our voice for those who can. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to lift up our our brothers and sisters in Iraq and elsewhere around the world to you right now. Um, Our hearts are broken, and um, we ask that uh, you would help them to endure whatever it is that you have called them to endure. For those that are in fear, God, right now, I pray that you would be peace to them. For those that are mourning right now, I pray that you would be a comforter to them. God, we praise you for them, and we ask that that in our lives as well as theirs, that you would glorify yourself that the name of Jesus Christ would be lifted up in all of this and that souls would come to salvation and experience your grace and your freedom. That revival would hit that land because of the sacrifices that are being made even today. And we pray for your justice. We pray for your justice. God, we pray that your grace would bless those uh, who need that blessing so much. God, that the persecutors would be able to look into the eyes of those that they are persecuting. They would hear their testimonies and their final words. And that their lives would be changed because of it, God. We have seen you do it before and we trust that you can do it again. We pray that ultimately will come and set all things right. And while we feel um, powerless, we know that you are all powerful. 
And so we trust you. We anxiously await that day when your justice prevails and all things are set right, God. We pray. Um, even so, come quickly, Lord. Come quickly. God, as we grow in you, God, I pray that you would help us to live lives also that are worthy of your calling. That we not hold your grace cheaply, that we not hold the freedoms that we have cheaply, but instead, God, we take full advantage of both. Help us to embrace your grace and, as Peter said, to grow in your grace every single day. Help us to live lives that take full advantage of the freedoms that you've granted us that so many are hungry for. I pray that your word would go out in even stronger ways here and all around the world. And we trust you. And we love you. And we thank you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.